Hey guys, I hope you're loving the Making Bank episodes. Please make sure you guys like and share these episodes as well as comment below for the guests. They love to come back and interact with you. And I really appreciate you watching and listening to Making Bank. So thank you. You are are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Excited for today's guest, Barney Waters, Alex Brown, Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, Vince Reed, Nathan Hirsch, David Bayer. Myron, welcome to Making Bank. It's such an honor to have you on the show today. Absolutely. My pleasure to be here, Josh. Good to see you, man. So tell us a little bit about, because I know you, um, so you're working as a garbage man. Uh, you were selling uh, financial services at night. And I know uh, the book that you gave me was Trash Man to Cash Man. Right. From the trash man to the cash man. Anyone can get rich starting from anywhere. Because when you think about it, the, the reason I wrote that book was not even because it was about my story. But here's the real reason I wrote the book. Everybody thinks they're smarter than their trash man, right? Well, if my trash man can do it, I can do it. I mean, he's a, he's a trash man for crying out loud, right? <laughs> and so... <laughs> Super simple. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, like, so like how, that's why it's called From the Trash Man to the Cash Man. How anyone can get rich starting from anywhere. So think about it. Like, a secretary can pick up that book and say, well, if a trash man can do it, I can do it. A janitor can pick it up. Well, if a trash man can do it, I could do it. Like an executive, oh man, if a trash man can do it, I know I could do it, right? So it's like, it's, it's a book that gives people hope that their life can work financially. And, 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 and what's great about your life working financially, I mean, planes, trains, and automobiles are great. Like house, nice houses and nice cars and all that. They're great. I'm not minimizing them at all. Taking great vacations is epic. It's awesome. All that stuff is great. I'm going to tell you something. The, the, the Mercedes and the Bentleys and the million dollar homes and all that stuff is fantastic. And the diamonds and the fantastic trips are great. I'm going to tell you the greatest thing that you will ever do by becoming financially free. If you want me to tell them that. You want me yeah, to that? Yeah. I, I believe that the greatest thing that you ever get to buy with money is you get to buy back the rest of your life. Now, what do I mean by that? People say there are a lot of truisms out there that aren't true, right? So one of the truisms that aren't true is that time is money, time is money, time is money. Like whoever created that created that statement to keep you in both financial and time bondage for the rest of your life because time is not money. Time is infinitely that more valuable than money. And I can prove it. I go when I'm at my seminars, I say, I'm going to prove to you all that time is more valuable than money. I will give uh, I'm going to give somebody in here a $100,000 check. I'll write you a check for 100 grand right now. It'll clear. Don't worry about that. So I'll write you a check for 100 grand, right? They're like, who? I said, who wants it? Ah, I do. I do. There's only one stipulation. What's that? You have to end your life today. Who wants it? Nobody. Why don't you want it? Well, because but it's 100,000. Nobody was going to say I'm going to end my life for 100,000. Okay, so let me ask you another question. Let's say you're going to die today, and there's you've got this disease, and there's a remedy, and it always worked for everybody who's ever used, but it cost 100 grand. And you have 100 grand. Would you spend your last 100 grand to save your life if you knew you were only going to live for 5 or 10 or 15 more years? Who's going to take that deal? Everybody. You know why? Because you already intuitively know that time is more valuable than money. But because you bought the lie that time is money, you go through your whole life selling a whole bunch of your time for a little bit of somebody else's money. 
So time is infinitely more valuable than money. And the greatest thing that you'll ever do with money is buy back your life. Like I know how to work on a car. I can rebuild an engine on a car. I can paint a car. I can fix it. The only thing I can't do it probably in a car is probably rebuild a transmission, an automatic transmission, right? But I don't even change, I don't change the oil on my car. I don't change the light bulbs. I don't change the fuses. I don't do anything. A fuse goes out in my car. I drive it over to the dealership. They give me a loaner. I go do my thing and they fix it, right? Why do I do that? Because I'm not buying that person's, I'm not buying that person's time. I'm buying back my time, right? So let's say it takes, one of my friends I play golf with, he laughed at me because I put my car in the dealership to have the headlight changed, right? It's like, you know, you got to just change the headlight. Yeah, okay, I get that, but I'm not changing the headlight, right? So he thought I was being bougie or whatever, right? But you're, no, dude, that has nothing to do with it. Like, they'll charge me 160 bucks to change the headlight. Great, right? But I, I get paid $2,000 an hour. If it takes me three hours to change a headlight, it costs me six grand. That's insane. Sure. Right? Even an hour. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. It, it, would take, it would take me probably three hours to do it because there's a whole bunch of stuff you had to do to change the headlight in that car. So I'm just like... People don't get that. The reason I don't like I'm allergic to cutting grass, right? But that's not the same as being allergic to grass. I'm not allergic to pet grass and I'm not allergic to grass. I'm just allergic to cutting it. People say, yeah, but I like cutting my grass. It's so therapeutic. I'm out there on the lawnmower. I'll tell you what's therapeutic. Sitting in the house, drinking a nice cold, watching somebody else cut your grass when it's 98 degrees outside. That's therapeutic. Right? <laughs> while while so you're on why? a webinar making money. Exactly. Because I bought back my life. And that's the most valuable thing. I have a Nice cars are great. All that's fantastic. Nothing I've ever bought with money is better than buying back my time. So, like, I would challenge everybody to try it. Like, hire somebody to cut your grass. Start there. Hire somebody to clean your house. Hire somebody to take your clothes to the cleaners and bring them home. Like, the more people you have supporting your the work that you do, the freer you become to be in your focused in your purpose. So anyway, that was my rant. Definitely. No. And I think part of that too is it helps you um, declutter your mind. You know, entrepreneur, you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. And you know, that's kind of what that new, I guess, success is or that yep. new claim to fame. Yep. And I, remember, I, I mean, cause I remember nobody even really knew an entrepreneur back when I was 14. Cause that's when I yeah. first started my first company and it was like, cool. It just had, it was just something I did and that I really enjoyed. Yep. And now it seems like you have everybody. Okay. I want to be an entrepreneur, or I'm going to try to do this, and I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's been a huge cultural shift. I mean, I think entrepreneurs back in the day was like, well, you know, what's wrong with you? You're a bit of a weirdo <laughs> if you're not, right. you know, going into the corporations and following the path, you know, uh, yeah. what makes you so different? Whereas now, I think with young people, the expectation is to do that. You know, they don't sure. want to work for the man. They want to um, create their own future and their own destiny, and, and, the, and they have the tools. You know, they don't need us when I, you know, they don't need grown-ups or um, structure. They have all the access they need to a produce product right. uh, and, to, and to reach a consumer. So it's, it's been a real shift. And I think that not, you know, everyone's sort of playing catch-up. It's moving so fast that when I talk about, hey, why don't we make sneakers and, and use an entrepreneurial voice, everybody sort of, nobody really <laughs> says, well, I don't think that's ready yet. Everyone has kind of said, yeah, that sounds about right. Right. <laughs> but no one had really done it yet. So, so uh, it was a question of just moving fast, you know, really committing to it and believing in it and then taking action. So I felt like the first thing we need to do was who is our Jordan? You know, mm, so the right. Nike model is so successful because it's so pure. 
You know, they, sure. they don't stray from the athlete positioning. Right. Um, and and, and that takes real discipline to do that. And then they have brought that to life through living examples and that's been their magic. And so I felt like if I could follow that benchmark or that case study, and so I was looking for my Jordan and that's what led me to Gary V. Right, and so that's kind of who you guys locked, locked arms with first is Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, that's right. And launched the several different shoes now that's under right. yep. his brand in the K-Swiss yep. brand. Yeah, yeah, it was like, let's make a signature shoe. And, you know, it was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek, you know, um, to, to juxtapose ourselves against this, this the athlete signature shoe. And right. even Gary himself has said, like, he had a bit of, he was hedging a bit, like, hey, if this goes wrong, it'll just be a fun joke amongst my friends. <laughs> Uh, so n neither of us quite knew if it would work, but right. once we did it, we sold a lot of shoes and it became a real hit. So I think we've proven that, you know, the, the, you know, who people are looking up to now for inspiration and is, is definitely more open than it used to be. Sure. What, um, so you, you kind of mentioned, you know, when you were looking is you were trying to find a whole different market, you know, something yeah. that really hadn't been tapped into similar like blue ocean strategy. Yeah, exactly. And so what do you think, you know, along that, what are some of the success pieces that you found that really helped you guys align and then go deep with this? Well, I think first of all, you know, it's a question, it's not only having a, um, a blue ocean or a, a, a differentiated point of view, it's also making sure that that point of view is market ripe. Okay, right, so in other words, sure. it's easy to be different. Um, it's harder to be different and have something that, that, that is growing right. or is relevant to the, con to the consumer or that, that has commercial uh, potential. So that's the, diff that, that's the kind of magic, I okay. guess, and, the, and the, it was a lot of luck involved too to say, hey, we found this different lane and it just so happens that it's booming <laughs> right. um, and, and, it's, and it's accelerating right now. You know, it's like it, the evidence is everywhere at this point. And, and, it, and we started this two, three years ago and it wasn't quite as obvious. So I think you know, having it to be m the commercial aspect to it is, is important. And then it's really about committing. So if you are finding a new lane, it means you're probably first at something. Sure. So you ha there's, there's a, um, you, you gotta, you gotta step off the, uh, you know, off the, off the diving board into this unknown. And so that, that, that does take some, some, um, not bravery, but it, it's some commitment. Right. And especially if you're dealing with a, with a legacy brand, um, you know, the stakes are a little higher than if it was me at my home going, hey, I could just try something and if it fails, it doesn't matter. Here I have a 50-year-old legacy brand I'm steering and so you don't want to screw that up. Right, so, <laughs> a little extra pressure. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so I think having that commitment and having the team around you believe in this and going all in on it is probably the, hard, was the, probably the hardest thing looking back. Going from like year one to year two and stuff, what did you guys change? What did you guys do to, um, you know, be able to, continue on the velocity, you know, and increase your sales and everything. Yeah. I mean, something that was really big for us was having, um, messaging and products that were specific to people's needs. Um, and you know, products that solve a problem are always amazing, right? So, um, our growth products, which are, you know, we have vitamins, we have oil, um, and we have a spray that has like biotin and vitamin E and just natural things that help a man or a woman's hair on their beard or their head grow, you know, thicker and fuller and stronger. Um, so those products really hit home. We had some great videos that were like it was a fake pharmaceutical commercial was our uh, was our go, which is an awesome video. If you guys haven't seen it, you should look at it. It's my favorite one. Like all oh, the side effects include getting free drinks at bars and all this stuff at the end. Um, so that that really was was funny and a great message, but it also people were like, yeah, like I do want to grow a thicker, fuller beard. So um, you know, a huge thing for us to to was to refocus on like what are the problems that we're actually solving, and that's kind of like the key question you get asked by 
venture capitalist or when you're doing a startup weekend or whatever it is, like, what problem are you really trying to solve? And, you know, at first their answer was like, you know, well, beard products are too expensive. And that's really not a problem, you know? So the closer that we got to finding problems, whether it was beard itch or beard growth or whatever it is, um, the things that we could actually solve, um, then tailoring the messaging and everything like that and the videos towards that um, helped us to make it like more of a sustainable, scalable project um, instead of just like, hey, like a lot of people saw this, they want to give it a shot and, you know, um, then it fizzles out. It was more like, hey, these are, we're actually solving problems. We, there is a fit for these products, you know. Awesome. And so kind of like through that whole journey with, you know, everything you learned there, I know, I know with the, um, you know, millions of subscriptions and video views and all that kind of stuff kind of led you to your, uh, your company that you have now, the subscription, um, was it subscription hacks? I think it was. Yeah. Subscription hacks. Yeah. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit about what that is and what you're doing there. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm always one who loves to help people. And so I'd started helping more and more people like they were asking me like, Hey, like, what did you guys do for this? And I'm always happy to share my mistakes because I figure it adds value for me. Uh, maybe that's selfish, but no, I, I really love helping people. And so as I started to get asked more and more to do so, you know, talked to my business partner, Chris and said, you know, I'd like to kind of take a step back from beard club and start to work with other businesses or, you know, work on my personal brand. I was asking to get, or sorry, asking to be a speaker more and more at different conferences, which I really love. So you know, I wanted to explore that that opportunity and the opportunity to share what I've learned with people. Um, so I started up Subscription Hacks. I originally started writing an ebook. My friends, when they saw it, were like, "Dude, this is like a full-on course." So I, I wrote all this content on like, it's like, what what are the things that I wish I knew when I was starting out? And it was stuff like fulfillment and operations and marketing and retention and you know everything in between. Um, and so basically, put that all into an online course. Shot a bunch of videos. Um, and did a soft launch for that a little, a couple weeks ago. Um, and still trying to figure out what the exact like business model with that is. And I've learned like not to go too hard on something cause you end up pivoting anyways, but I've um, been able to help a bunch of companies with the content and with one-on-one help. So that's kind of uh, where I'm at in my journey is figuring out like what, what is like the, the offering that I can best help a lot of people with. Um, I think a lot of online courses kind of, um, they can be really great and they have content, but, um, um, kind of fall short and a lot of people like myself included, I'll buy an online course and I'll take the first two modules and I'll be like, uh, you know, and uh, something else will come up that's more important or going to help me more. Right. So, you know, how can I be more hands on with, with companies that want to, want to come through? So I'm trying to figure out like a, an accelerator model more or less with myself, with different advisors and different service providers. And like, these are the connections that you should talk to that will help you accelerate more or less. And yeah, here's the knowledge you should know that, that, I wish I knew more or less. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What, um, <clears throat> yeah, I'll have to, after, afterwards I'll have to connect you up with a few people for course stuff. I can probably help you out. Um, uh, so we got a few minutes left. Um, tell, uh, everybody like where the best place to find out more about you, what you have going on, your subscription course and everything. Yeah, I mean, best place for me is probably LinkedIn. Um, so just Alex Brown on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to subscriptionhacks.com to find more about the Accelerator program um, or thealexbrown.com to find more about me. It sounds pretentious, but alexbrown.com was taken. I don't think I'm the Alex Brown. Like, I'm the most important one ever, but I had to go with something. You know? <laughs> it was either the or real, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or the real, yeah. The, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the real Alex Brown. Yeah. 
Awesome. And then uh, just before we uh, b- bounce out, um, what would be like one last thing? Like, hey, guys, this is something I really got to let you know about. Take it. Do it. You know, it's going to tra- help you transform X, Y, Z. Um, I wouldn't say it's something I've learned fully, but for me, the, one of the biggest realizations in the last, especially the last six months, um, through a couple different experiences in my personal life and losing people and stuff is just to really enjoy the journey. And I've constantly been focused on this end goal where I'm really making bank. You know what I mean? There, I said it. Uh, where I'm really making bank and where I have X amount of dollars or, you know, I have this many companies or I have this house or not all of it's financial either. Just like I have this much time and I can travel this places, you know. Um, so it's really for everyone out there to explore more of just being present right now and every day and every bit of this journey. Um, and that really is what it's all about because once you get there, there's always going to be somewhere else you'd want to go. Right. So, um, and again, that's not something I can help everyone with is something I'm going through, but I think I've talked to a lot of people. I think it's the, the consciousness of this, like, how do we stay more present in business is definitely arising with a lot of my friends in the entrepreneurial world. So for sure, what are three things that you can say, Hey guys, you know, this, this helped me become more successful. One, two, and three, you can take and go implement it today. First thing is building a blockbuster product, especially in one blockbuster product. Uh, I, I thought when I, when I started online and I guess I would consider myself an information marketer in this info coaching kind of space, if you will, that I needed to build a lot of different products um, and to have a big suite of different products so I could have cross sells and upsells and, and all this stuff. Um, and we were like shotgun throwing things out there and building like B level products, um, that would never get great traction. And there was our, our core offer now is called fit 30 X. It's like a 30 day weight loss experience that gets guys hooked and super excited. Um, and then from the 30 days, we have a whole year curriculum on the back end that we've since built that walks them through the next steps of the journey. But when we really focused on, you know, understanding that thread of the customer journey, we first, we got really good at getting people to opt in, subscribe for something that that was very valuable to them. And then we moved into this, you know, ultimately point of sale. And I was selling a lot of stuff that wasn't working here, trying lots of different products. But ultimately when we double, triple down, we're like, what does this guy need at this stage when he wants to spend money and commit to himself? What's the program he needs? And we ultimately built this 30 day, kickstart amazing program called FitFollow30X, and we doubled and tripled down on that as our core offer. And it's really interesting because a lot of people who run these online businesses, you know, lose money on the front end, but, you know, make all their money on the back end of these kind of things. That's not the case with us. We've built a program that is so desirable and good at a, at a nice price point that we make money on our front end products too. So the first thing I would say is probably find that one blockbuster product that is most relevant to the first big win in your customer journey and focus exclusively on that. And in making that product such a good experience that you actually get word of word of mouth referrals. Like when you get people emailing you back in that says, hey, this was so life changing. You know, I'm telling all the people at my church or my friends, my family. That's when you know you have something that has some traction and is a truly good product. And then the next thing, it all comes back to this kind of customer journey uh, is understanding what are those next steps that the customer is going to have to take. And then you put those things into a recurring subscription model format, if you can. Some people can do that on the front end, which is really great. But we also know from our market that a lot of guys have been burned with like scammy forced continuity products where they buy something for a dollar and they're hooked on $97 recurring for the rest of their life kind of thing. So what we did is we just sell like a very no BS front end 
here's your FitFollow 30X, it's $97, it works, here's the litany of proof, and now go out there and change your life. And from there, we've put all of our other courses into what we call FitFollow for Life, which is a recurring subscription model. Um, and that's amazing because we want we don't want to sell more to our guys, we just want to be the guides through the journey. They've already committed, so now it's like, hey, you join us on our quarterly subscription, we're going to give you every single program we have. And it's nice from us, from a, from a funnels marketing perspective, because we have such a simple customer journey. We don't have to like go into Infusionsoft and be like, holy crap, Joe has this product, but not product six and seven. We need to do an email blast. And it has to be this. And the logic's insane. Where now it's just like, okay, a guy's on the email list. He has not gotten FitFollow30X yet. Let's get him on there. Okay, he's on FitFollow30X. He has not gone on to phase two. Let's sell him FitFollow for life. Let's get him into this ecosystem and keep him going. So the biggest things I guess like to kind of recap is the Blockbuster product and building a recurring product that is truly amazing, that respects and takes them through the next steps of the customer journey. And I think you might've asked me for three, but I wanna pause there because I think those are probably some of our biggest ones. Oh, and the other, the other thing, actually one more, one more. Um, the best thing that we have in our, our business right now is our content base, I'd have to say. Um, and before I really knew anything about online marketing, I just like, I, I knew that there were some search terms that I wanted the Fit Father Project to own, kind of as like real estate more or less online. So like weight loss for men over 40. I wanted us to like be the, the people. And so we wrote five, six years ago, five years ago maybe, we wrote really long form guides for these things. And eventually, you know, those things end up ranking really well. So owning your long tail keywords that are directly related to that customer avatar and writing the best article on that. I mean, if you're in a niche and you don't own that that long tail keyword, then you know I, I think you're really gonna struggle for a long time. And at, at this point, we're now, our blog gets millions of readers every year, and they're all coming from largely qualified long tail keywords because we took the time to write the articles. Um, and I almost consider like in any digital business, like SEO is really real estate, except you can't buy it. You, it's kind of like a meritocracy, you have to earn it. Um, and so really getting very serious about owning those organic keywords, especially because a lot of us who are probably advertising online, you know that there are, certainly are hiccups that come if, you, if your business relies on paid advertising. Account gets shut down. Pixels aren't tracking properly. The retainer of the person who's running your ads is too damn high. Like there's so many different variables. So like um, really doubling down on those long tails. What's one last thing you kind of want to leave people with? Like, man, I really want people to know this. Yeah, well, I, I think that... Um, the dream as it relates to an entrepreneur, um, at least my, my understanding of, of the common entrepreneurial dream is that you have an amazing business that you're passionate about, that generates you a lot of money, that gives you the freedom to enjoy all the other great experiences outside of work with your family, and also enables you to have great health so you can enjoy those experiences for years to come. And, and a lot of us wanna look great as well while we're making the bank. Um, and, and I think that the, the message of hope that I have is that it's fully possible to have it all. Um, and more entrepreneurs need to use the same kind of thinking that they use in their businesses, this, the SOPs, the systems and the processes. And we need to do that same kind of thinking in this area of health that so many of us don't, you know, we leave it as this kind of nebulous, confusing gray area. We don't get the health SOPs in place. And if we treated, you know, our health processes the same as we did in our businesses, and we got these things running with autopilots and resources and teams and structures, then it's just everything's going to function better. And, and I was asked a question the other day, 
about what do, what do I think is like one of the number one entrepreneur superpowers to double down on. And, and it's 110% this peak performance health routine nutrition, because there's not a single thing that you will do in your business career that isn't going to be amplified by having greater presence, greater energy, greater focus, and walking in a room and having a body that reflects how you feel on the inside is also what's kind of presented on the outside. It's amazing. So I think I'd like to leave entrepreneurs with a little bit of a fire under their butt to take their health uh, more seriously and take it to the next level because it is directly related to the success of your business and your happiness in every other area of your life. Cool, man. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I totally, you know, I'm on, on, on the same boat as you in that. A lot of our audience has their own business. Uh, you know, they're either trying to run all their own ads or they have different people running their ads for them and stuff. What are like maybe some tips or some, you got, think, um, just some strategies you could give them say, hey guys, look, if you're running on Facebook or maybe a general for all platforms that you guys have found that's helped you become successful in generating leads? Absolutely. I'll give you guys two things I think you guys can use. So obviously today with, from a social media perspective, you know, content is king, right? Now, a lot of times when people hear content, putting out videos, teaching a strategy, showing off, um, you know, doing a tutorial of your products or services or whatever, because we see people like Gary Vee and we see great people like Cardone, all these people just pumping out a ton of content, the perspective that I see from a lot of business owners is they have to do that to be successful. Um, you can, obviously, it's, they're successful doing that type of strategy, but you don't necessarily have to do that. I think the step number one is obviously when you start driving traffic to your business, think about your avatar first. Like who is your ideal customer? Who do you want to work with? And when you're creating your content, figure out what it is that you could put in front of them that would put them in a buying decision. And then try to focus on creating like literally like just five pieces of good information that you could just turn into an ad that runs forever as your front end content to build that audience. So an example, I'll give you an example. Let's say you're like selling information, like products, right? So what a lot of you see people doing today is they'll go out there and they'll just be like, you know, every day it'll be a different video. You got to work on one will be personal development. One will be like, you got to be running social media ads. And it's just like all the stuff that you can probably find nuggets that are valuable. But at the end of the day, that content does nothing to steer the person towards what it is that you're trying to offer right then. Whereas let's say you're selling a Facebook course. Okay, you're better off doing a video, like for example, I have one that's teaching people how to lower their lead costs and improve conversions, right? Because I know I can put that out there to people running ads and then I can say, if you got value from this, go here. That's an example of just still content, but think, actually thinking through the, what's the point of your content. Now, now, if you're just like a guy that has a lot of money and you just wanna be this celebrity, then all that just stuff is cool. But if you're looking to be profitable, like you gotta think about what the person wants like why they would want to watch that, what's going to benefit them. So that would be an example of content scaling. So I would say do at least one of those a week, but you don't have to, you don't have to do that forever. Get to the point where you can get five good ones that you know if a person in your industry saw one of those five, they'd be more geared towards going to what it is that you have to offer. Okay, that would be an example about content. And then in terms of just traffic in general, like scaling, I think people have to figure out like, you know, what's their strategy from even like a traffic perspective. So for example, um, what a lot of, when I get to clients and they're running ads, let's say on Facebook, for example, like I'll go in their back office and they will have like a bunch of interests like piled into one. And this is like big, like 5 million, like grouped thing of like all these people. And they're trying to like sort through that to find their buyers. And this kind of goes back to understanding your avatar. So there's something that I call buying and shopping keywords. So you can target people that are shopping, 
people that are window shopping. An example of this would be running ads targeting people that are like, if you go and you put like small business owners in Facebook, right? It's going to be like 50 million people. And that could be somebody that just clicked on something that someone else saw. Now they're in that audience. And they'll be like, why am I getting this to convert? Versus saying, okay, your client is a chiropractor and just going in and targeting job, like job titles, people that say they're a chiropractor in the audience. And it may only be 50,000 people. Now you can do a video view and stay in front of just them is my point. So from a traffic perspective, like really try to figure out who you are and be smart. Because you're, you know, it's about being profitable. Once you get profitable, then you can play around and worry about your brand and like waste money and just be out there. But I think people do it backwards. They think I think brand is important, but I think if I think you should build your brand around the audience you're trying to attract. Sure, for sure. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. What would you say? I guess are the top three things for a company, you know, when they're looking, you know, to find a VA. So I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is they're not hiring the right level of freelancer. So I like to say there's three levels, basic, mid, and expert. So a basic level freelancer, non-US, five to 10 bucks an hour, they might have years of experience, but they're there to follow your system, your process that you have in place, where a mid-level person is more specialized, that 10 to 30 range, bookkeeper, graphic designer, writer, you're not teaching them how to design, but they're not consulting with you either. They're doers. And then you got the experts, the 25 and up, that can consult, project manage, audit your business, help create the systems and processes. And I feel like a lot of times where people go wrong is they're hiring that $5 an hour person and they're like, hey, find me clients. <laughs> and it's like, no, you need you need, either need a system for it or you need an expert to come in and come up with a marketing strategy. And um, that, that's probably the first way. The second is just not setting expectations up front. Um, getting on the same page, getting everything in writing, which if you don't do leads to a lot of he said, she said and issues down the line. And I think the last thing is just diversifying. I mean, I had a situation where I spent six months training an employee back in my Amazon business and I had one manufacturer that I was working with and crushing it with them. I didn't bother to get another. I go on my first vacation, first day of vacation, manufacturer quits, employee quits. <laughs> so it, it, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you're, you're subjecting yourself to that kind of risk. But I'm really happy I learned that lesson early on and really departmentalized going forward. Okay. You had a great successful e-com company. You know, you're you know, rapidly growing. Um, you're, uh, out, you know, you're outsourcing marketplace and everything now. What um, have you found has been the most successful you know, for you along this journey? Yeah. So we talked about those low risk, high reward stuff. I mean, being on podcasts has been huge. Uh, just being on podcasts and getting in front of different business communities. And, and I would even say setting up a referral program. I mean, any clients that come from other clients get 50 cents for every hour. We build that client forever. And we don't just say it. We advertise it everywhere. It's in our newsletter. It's on our website. People know about it. Influencers want to partner with us because of it. And it's probably one of the better business decisions that we've made early on. I mean, we paid out over $150,000 last year in referral money, which is a lot of 50 cents per hour. So, so if you if you find stuff like that, which encourages people to get you new business and anything that you can do to systemize it and make it a real process that people take seriously, I think that is a key to growing your business, especially if you're bootstrapping like I am. Cool. Um, I guess for you know your you know business marketplace out there somebody like you were initially thinking okay should i hire somebody you know what should i do what would you say the top 3 things are 
people should say, okay, these, these are the top three things that you need to outsource right away. Yeah. And keep in mind, I didn't just wake up one day and hire 40 people. I figured out how do I, how do I get hours in my day back? What's taking up the most time? Can I get five hours this week back, 10 hours next week? So what I did was I came up with a list of everything I did on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And started, it started off with emails and data entry and bookkeeping and customer service. I mean, all that stuff kind of falls into that. And those are the things that I took off my plate early on just to allow me to focus my time on higher level activities. But the flip side of it, and one of the best activities that my business partner and I do pretty regularly is we sit down and we say, hey, what are you good at? What are you bad at? And we're brutally honest with each other. And at the end, we always realize that we complemented each other very well, which is great. But we always have this list of things that both of us are not good at, yet we're doing them every single week. So what we do is we hire people to turn those weaknesses into strengths and take those off our plate. And that's how you really accelerate your business. Mm. I just read an article this morning that Inc. just put out and they talked about and they interviewed a top a lot of the people that had posted like these super funny photos and selfies and different things like that. And people are talking about minutes before they posted them or right after they were like in the most horrible state, whether it was they were arguing with their spouse or that, you know, this just happened or, you know, their baby kept them up for like two nights straight, but they're taking a picture, you know, smiling and everything's like happy. So you're right. I mean, it's shown and people see like, oh, you know, everybody's wonderful. Why can't I be like that? And it's not, it's not the truth. And none of it's real. Right. And and what we found is that as you move into higher and higher levels of circles of high performers, you begin to believe that no one around you is actually spending a much time in suffering, but you still are. And and you thought that by getting to that higher level of performance, the suffering would go away. And so I, I go to high level masterminds where I've presented before. And then in the dark, quiet corners after I present one by one, vast a vast number of individuals who are high performers in that room come up to me and go that really resonated with me i'm actually spending a tremendous amount of time in suffering like what, what do i do because it it does create the ceiling on their level of success but more importantly they're not living joyful happy lives and and, and that's why we're trying to create success because we think it's allow us to live a joyful happy life and and you you said something which i think is is an important um point of consideration which is, it isn't suffering part of it. And so one of the, one of the clients that I coached, he's a, at the time he was a major league baseball player. He played 11 years in, in professional major league baseball, which is a long time. And he asked me that same question. Um, and, and I asked him, I said, well, we've identified like all of the suffering that you were experiencing throughout your tenure in the league. And I said, how, how did that create that experience for you? He said, it was miserable. I missed out on most of my enjoyment of my time in the league because I approached it with this idea of I'll show you and I'll be good enough. And it was always right. So you, what we believe is that if you actually create from a beautiful state of being, you'll have even more resource, even more creativity, even more ideas. So suffering is part of the system. It's part of the amygdala. You move into fight or flight. Like it's just going to happen. That's what Buddha talked about. There is suffering and suffering will happen to you. But the, the, if you really want to live a joyful life and if you want to live moment by moment expressing as much intelligence into the world and if you want to be present for the, your loved ones and so that they can be the best that they can be in their lives, then my suggestion is that the number one thing you should learn how to do is to identify when you've moved into suffering and have the tools to move as rapidly as possible into a beautiful state of being. Tell us a little bit about like one thing you kind of want to leave everyone with 
uh, before we wrap up here, whatever that may be that you really feel, man, I really want people to know this. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> I was just asking your kids this right before the, uh, the podcast interview. I mean, I, I, I think I've, I've said it. It's, it's two things. It's, it's discover what your spiritual vision is. And I know we could have a whole conversation about how to do that. Maybe we'll come back and talk about that. But, 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 but even if it's just fundamentally realizing that each and every one of us has a purpose on this planet, and if nothing more to, to ask for or pray for or whatever that asking is, looks like for you, um, for clarity around what that purpose is, that's number one. Um, cause then everything starts to fall into place. And number two is whether it's with us or whether it's through a lot of other great teachers out there. Um, if, if you are suffering more than you would like to be suffering in your life, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're overwhelmed, if you just feel like there's a better way to live life, then, then make this type of work one of the top priorities of your life, if not the number one priority, because I believe, and I know you believe this too, like everything that we create comes from who we are. And this conversation is about, um, unfolding all the layers of, 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 of the false identity of who we've been and stepping into our real power and, and who we authentically are. Awesome. I am Josh Felber. You are watching making bank get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to making bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.